Before we jump into the next episode of that podcast in Hutch, I wanted to give you just a little brief background on this, particularly if you're not from the Hutchinson area. I thought it might be useful to give you some background. There, there's this project in, in Hutchinson that's been going on, uh, the Woody Seat Freeway Project, and it's this kind of weird bridge that goes over part of town and uh, connects to South Hutch. used to be part of uh, State Highway K96. Uh, they built a bypass around town, so now that's reverting back to the city of Hutchinson's control. Problem is, is it's a bridge, it's expensive to maintain, and we're on the hook for it now, so we're exploring some options on how to manage that going forward. There are several different options. All of them have benefits and all of them have cost. And it's one of those situations where policymakers are trying to make the, the next best decision they can given the circumstances. Uh, but in this, there's a group of people in the Southwest Bricktown community, uh, which there are houses that are actually underneath that overpass and in the uh, areas adjacent to that. And they are particularly affected by this. And, and through this process, They've uh, maybe at times felt like they, they weren't consulted enough about how it might affect them. Uh, one thing that has been of particular concern is that it would split uh, Avenue B in half and it would make it kind of inaccessible. You could get across, but you'd have to walk down to a traffic control area. So there's a lot of concern about that. But I, I don't really want to focus for this episode on what the problems were or what was, uh, you know, what the problems were with each of these options or what wasn't done right or anything like that. What I really want to focus on is how a group of people affected by a project decided to work together, come together, and and they're still not all on the same page, but they're in the process of navigating this. And and they, they came to the city, they asked for more time, they said, we want to be able to come with our community's ideas on this and our recommendations. And the city listened to them. And I, I think as you hear me talk to Cecilia Pena, who spoke at the city council on behalf of the Southwest Bricktown, what I hope you'll really take away is the sense of how important it is for communities to kind of organize and come together and bring a voice to the table, but also how it's not a short process. It takes a lot of effort and, and some things that don't look like advocacy, some things like community building, some things like uh, being neighborly and making sure that people in the community know each other and have, have events to go to, to share in life together. Those things build that sense of community. And then when that community needs to advocate, some of those pieces are already in place. So I hope that you'll enjoy this episode. I know I enjoyed speaking with uh, Cecilia and learning about her advocacy and some of the conversations that have taken place in Southwest Bricktown. But I hope when you're done listening, maybe you'll think about how you could apply some of the lessons from her and from what's happening in this community to your community or to your issue that you'd like to advocate for uh, in front of people who are making decisions about these things. So I'll, I'll, with that, I'll, I'll let it go. And I hope you enjoy the conversation with Cecilia. everyone, this is That Guy in Hutch, Jason Probst, and you're listening to That Podcast in Hutch. Today I have a guest with me who, who, who's been really involved in a, in a very delicate issue here in Hutchinson. And the reason I wanted to have Cecilia on today is because some of the work that she's been doing with the Southwest Bricktown neighborhood really demonstrates to me what can happen 
when a group of people decide that they're not just going to sort of accept what is happening to them and decide that they're going to insist that their their point of view be considered. And so I'll introduce Cecilia and uh, and then we'll kind of move into the history of this this topic because there's a lot of ground to cover there. But Cecilia, thanks for being on today. Thank you for having me. So to kind of set this up for, for listeners, we have this issue with the Woody Seat Freeway, which is a series of bridges that goes over part of town, over the Arkansas River and into South Hutch. It used to be part of the state highway system until they turned 96 into a bypass outside of town. That left 96 under city control and and also city cost. And, and it's really deteriorating. And there's been a conversation over the last year or so about how to solve this problem. Really expensive to keep the bridge in place. And there are a handful of options that we, we've looked at that could solve the problem all of them with varying degrees of cost, both short-term and long-term. Tell me a little bit about some of those conversations around the Woody Seat Freeway and, and how it affects specifically your neighborhood in the Southwest Bricktown area. Well, our area is called Southwest Bricktown. From my understanding, it goes from C Street all the way up to, I believe it's 7th Street, and from Halstead to, I guess it would be Main Street. I'm not, uh, I've had to ask several times to get that map so I can remind myself, but let's say it's around that area. A lot of the people that live on B Street are concerned uh, that the option to have the roundabout is going to be closure of that particular bridge, uh, that they would be cut off from downtown and their neighbors, uh, the school. The school is no is no longer as a used as an elementary school, but it's still a source where people go and get um, some things that they that they need, you know, education wise. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of used as a community center also at the same time. So we feel like that if we were cut off by that, that we would lose disconnection with the city. So on that, we have. Basically, the city was presented with five different options on how to address this this issue. Yes. Uh, One is to basically rebuild the bridge as it is and everything would stay the same. And my understanding is that carries the highest cost and the highest long-term cost. Another would be to cut the the bridge off at Avenue F so that you could get into town. That would leave your – the rest of the streets open. C and B Street would remain open. but there are some concerns with the railroad that's there and access to emergency vehicles to and from uh, that part of the city and South Hutchinson. Uh, another two options have a roundabout, still closes off your streets, and then um, and then there's a, a couple of options that are just basically dead ends into Avenue A, both of which still cut your streets off. And, and I want to make sure I'm clear with listeners about the core issue here. The core issue is around Avenue B being basically separated so that the east side of what was Woody Seat would be separate from the west side of Woody Street. And this is a, a small but pretty pretty tight and pretty cohesive neighborhood uh, where a lot of people walk and bike between relatives' houses, between Avenue A School, as you indicated. Talk to me a little bit about the the makeup and I guess the character of the neighborhood. I don't know if it's that so much now because a lot of our elders have passed, but there's still a lot of involvement. It's a strong involvement. Um, 
one of them was being, like I said, Avenue A School. Well, that's still considered our... Kind of the city center, yeah, right? A yeah, a city center. Um, there is a lot of concerns and issues about, like you said, not being able to walk. There's a lot of walkers and elderly disabled people that use this artery that's being Avenue A and Avenue B uh, that walk, and it's a convenience for them. Um, we do have the transit that's on B Street, but a lot of them still walk to that area or they have spots where they get picked up. Um, that's what our concern was. Um, when we came to the city for that, they said that there were sidewalks that were going to be available, you know, that, that they've looked at that. Um, but there were still concerns for us because there were just, there's a bike trail right now that leads from uh, Avenue A going down to uh, A Street all the way down to Severance. That's right. Um, so that's a concern. Um, it's just the connection, losing the connection for that. Um, the transit, yes, it's used a lot, but I just think that, that the roundabout being in that area, they said that there's still going to be a lot more safe issues than unsafe issues with the roundabout. Um, we still beg to differ for that. Yeah, that might be true, but the connection, just losing the connection with the east to west, south to north, that's what our concerns are. So in the neighborhood, the big concern was that it was this kind of split in the yes. neighborhood, right? It's just splitting the neighborhood in half and making it harder for people to get from one side of the neighborhood to the other when they may have friends or relatives or or services that they need on one side or the other. Correct. Okay. Um, so one of, one of the things that's interesting about this is that the, the city's been talking about this. There's been a lot of conversations. They applied for a couple of grants uh, that, that, that weren't awarded to the city. But it looked like at the beginning of February, the city was prepared to make a decision and, and go with the roundabout option. Yes. And it, it's at that point that you came to the city council on behalf of a group of, of, of residents in Southwest West Bricktown and talked to the city council about your concerns and basically got them to uh, hold off on making that decision until, until there could be further study. Talk to me a little bit about your involvement in that and also the the conversations with other uh, Southwest Bricktown residents about their concerns and, and why they felt it was important to advocate for themselves at the city. Well, that's really strange that you say that because um, from what I, comments were made that this has been an ongoing issue and discussion for three years. That was a surprise to me because I didn't realize with the COVID, you know, that is it, it's a true statement. We became involved because the concerns were, like you said, the closing of Avenue B. I was approached by some of the community members of Southwest Bricktown saying that I was the chosen one <laughs> to be the spokesperson. And, and I was pleased, too, because I had some concerns also. Um, we gathered as a community, uh, a committee, I'm sorry, for Southwest Bricktown, just our members in our Southwest Bricktown Um we were notified by Hutch Harmony, mm -hmm. and just most recently, the NAACP uh, asked us for a meeting, and they wanted to discuss it. Also, they were in attendance of both meetings at the city council, a city hall, and we got together, and we all had the same feelings about the issue. Uh, we got busy, and before I knew it, our, our my task force committee grew. 
three times. <laughs> so I was really impressed and I thought, well, you know, okay, I'm glad to hear we sat down and we threw our ideas out on the table. Uh, we came to the conclusion of what we wanted and what we needed to do. And it came together all on its own. Um, it still chose me as a spokesperson, um, which I'm pleased because I was, I've always been involved in the community and that's what I wanted. That's my main goal is to get community involvement and to make sure that everybody, everyone's voice is heard. Um, I'm not saying to go and, and protest at City Hall, but our voices need to be heard. And like I told the city council members, we're your boss. You represent us. You need to lead us the way we want to be led. Mm -hmm. And in order to do that, we have to have an open, transparent community involvement to where we can come to understand each other and work together rather than pull forces apart and have that negative ion in there rather than having two positives. It, has there been not only in this process, but in, in other areas a feeling that there are neighborhoods or communities that aren't, uh, aren't being sought out or aren't being heard in some of these discussions? Yes. Um, Steve Garza, which is a city council member, he is, his district is the Southeast area. Uh, we've gotten a couple of people that are from his area involved, which I'm glad. Um, we haven't reached out too much, but it's been on the news and it's been vocally heard. Um, I encourage everybody, hey, you know, come and sit in on our meetings, uh, which there was a meeting. They came out to Southwest Bricktown and we talked to the engineers of the city and they came out and did that. Not too many people from the Northeast side or Northwest side came out. There was some at the city council meeting, but they didn't come to our meeting and it was open invitation. Um, that's what we want. We want an open door policy to where we can work together. Uh, and maybe there have been some opinions, you know, in those areas, but they haven't came to us and joined voices with us so we can have a meeting to see what everybody's feelings are. Now, even within the Southwest Bricktown neighborhood there, you guys, even now you're in the process of trying to establish what uh, plan you guys like, right? Because there's still a little bit of division in that, right? About which plan might be best. There's yes. a couple of different yes. voices in that, but that, but in your mind, is that an important part of the process to make sure that e even though the the community might have different ideas, at least there's an effort to kind of get the community behind uh, an option and then present that to the city. Yes, and you're right. Even in our Southwest Bricktown. Uh, area among our, our members and our neighbors, there's a division. There's half that want option five. There's half that want option four. Um, so it, which is fine because they're voicing how they feel about the, the issue. Um, and that's going to happen. So I think that's the only way to do things, you know, to make sure everybody has a voice. And to be clear, option five is the one that eliminates the bridges routes traffic off onto Avenue F option four is keeping Woody seat as it is. Yes. Is that right? Okay. During your presentation to the city, uh, Natasha Iverson Russell also presented and she shared some information about the history of how Woody seat freeway became a thing anyway. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yes. Um, Natasha Everson is of Hutch of Harmony. She's from that group. Uh, 
when she called the meeting, their group called the meeting, she educated us about the coming of Woody Seat Freeway. She named the person that was behind it. She told us a little bit of history of the Frank Hart Bridge um, and how there used to be a bridge, another bridge that was, I can't remember the name of that right now, I'm sorry, but she just gave us a world of information and presented it at the city council meeting. And then she also said that, you know, which we talked about at our meeting, that we want to reinvest in our downtown area on the south side of town. She said that her group has three things that's going on right now to where it can attract historical places that they're trying to get to, um, they're going to get grants to see if they can have those um, things done. And I thought that would be great, you know, because then we can, and that's what part of the the issue was too, is that that part of town is neglected. Mm-hmm. And with her working in that area and then with the overflow of traffic coming through the South Frank Hart building or bridge, I'm sorry, I think we need to make improvements in there, enhance that. And with all her information she had, I even made contact with Steve Harmon. Mm-hmm. He's got worlds and rolls and gobs and gobs of pictures of how that whole downtown area on South side just was vibrant and he's kind of our local historian. Yes, he has an archive yes. of photos. I invited him to come to the meetings and be a part of the, the task force committee. I haven't heard back from him, but I think it would be fantastic if we could see all that history along with the history that uh, Natasha works at the uh, library. So she, she educates herself through all that information that she has available to her. Those two together would be a, an astronomical t- asset to our committee, not just to our committee, but they, they have a world of knowledge that a lot of people can learn from and educate our other people. And then they can see, well, this can happen again. And what's that saying? Um, history repeats itself. Mm -hmm. Let's reinvent that wheel again and see what we can come up with. And with South Hutch, they might be on the other side of the bridge, but they can be a part of that. We can work together and enhance both parts, South Hutchison and Hutchison South Side. If people don't understand the dynamics, if they if they don't realize the dynamics of a place like Hutchinson, uh, the south part of town, there is a feeling that it's been neglected, that yes. it's been kind of ignored in a lot of ways, um, and that most of the growth and development has happened on the north side of town. Um, but that wasn't always the case. There was a feeling at one time and there that, that the South part of town was the, the lively part of town. It was where downtown, all the downtown businesses were main street was very vibrant. Uh, communities had a lot of cohesion and they had events all the time. And, and you talked a little bit about that history and about wanting to kind of restore that in the yes. community. Yes. Um, I was talking to you earlier that I remember coming down B Street to get here this morning. There was a bicentennial event that went on, and I believe it was 1977 or 76. I was a little girl back then, but I remember that having a, a parade, and they closed off B Street, and from Adams to Main Street, they had events going on. And there was a wide variety of people there. There were Hispanics, there were uh, African-American people, there were white people, whoever was there. I mean, it was just fantastic. That's what we need to get back to. And I believe with having people encouraged, and a lot of people told me too, well, we can't make people buy buildings on the south side of town and put businesses there. No, we can't, but we can enhance it and make make it look better Mm -hmm. to attract those people. It really kind of upsets me a lot of times when I have young uh, 
parents younger than I, or even my age, come and say, well, you know, we encourage our young kids to leave Kansas, Hutchison, and go off other places because they wouldn't make it here. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, you can. If you had a voice and if you were to invest into your community, maybe, because a lot of people end up coming back here when they retire, when they start raising a family because Hutchison is the place to be. Well, make it even better, you know. So I encourage people, you know, come back, see what you can do, be that voice. You know, it only takes one person to lead another person and then it continues on. You lead another person and another person and another person. And and it can be done. And and that kind of grassroots movement where it's on the ground, individuals making a difference. um, That's something Southwest Bricktown has been doing for quite some time since the neighborhood's been kind of reestablished several years ago. Um, talk to me a little bit about that. What, I mean, well, there's a few things we should mention. I mean, it is a largely Hispanic community. Yes, it is. Right? Um, and has been for years and years. Um, so talk to me a little bit about how that community spirit or that community connection, uh, comes out during meetings, events, things like that. Um, is that a topic of conversation to say, how do we, how do we elevate our identity? How do we, uh, remind people that we're here? How do we do things that showcase what we have in this community? Well, in in my own personal opinion, my heritage are the Mexican American people that they're very soft-spoken. They don't draw attention to themselves. That's how I see our district. But People like the ones that are in the committee are very vocal and very involved. We do have people like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had the opportunity to have a lot of people be my uh, mentors, one of them being my, my cousin, Francis Garcia. Mm-hmm. We had the mayor, Mr. Jim Martinez. I can name a, a lot. Um, a lot come from my church, which is Our Lady Guadalupe, that's located in South Hutch. Mm-hmm. I've had a lot of mentors there. My own personal mentor is my father. He was very, very involved, very outspoken, like myself. (laughs) And he stood up for what he believed in. And I carry that to heart. I really do. I only speak when I really feel strong about something. And I am so proud because I have a son that I'm trying to get involved in the community. He is now involved in Southwest Bricktown community uh, events. And... Adam is what, 35, 36 years old. And I finally got, I fed the, what's that? You can lead a horse, but you can't lead him to the water. I can't. You can lead him to water, but can't make him drink, right? So it makes me proud that I, that he's taken that role on. Um, And that's what made me happy. And I think, well, you know, if I can do it with my own son, surely someone else can take the cue and in the same age group, the generation can take over. Um, a lot of the people, what makes us work is that we're very close-knit, family-oriented. And I think that makes a big, big difference. We may not be outspoken, but we stay together. Mm-hmm. We stay together and we work together and we're a hard bunch of working people. So that, I think, is our core. And we, we've made it known. We've had several events, small events, our biggest event was the fiesta back in September of last mm-hmm. year. We didn't know if we were going to have a good uh, source and outcome, but that it came together fine. And well, we, you had a big turnout. We for had that, a right? fantastic turnout, and that was our purest and strongest point, saying that we can make this happen. 
we can make anything happen. And we have another uh, event coming up in uh, May 7th, the Cinco de Mayo. Mm -hmm. uh, we were asked, we, we were just going to do this event, which was in September, and then the Cinco de Mayo. But we've been asked several times over and over, when's your next event? When's your next event? So people know and they recognized us. And I think that's had a big impact on us going to the city too for the Woody Seat. Uh, they know that we're going to be there and that we're going to be a voice no matter what. So, when, well, and I, we talked a little bit earlier too, when I was at the Fiesta last September, um, I heard a lot of people talking about how we used to do this all the time. We used to have events like this. We used to um, have parties in, in this parking lot um, and it would be, you know, monthly or weekly or whatever during certain times of the year. And, and it seems as I was listening to you talk that one of the things I, I hear is that that advocacy or speaking up for a group of people or a neighborhood doesn't necessarily start with that advocacy. It might start with building that identity and with a, around something like an event or several events throughout the year to kind of create a feeling of, or a sense of belonging. Would you say that's right? Yes, I would. Um, you took the words right out of my mouth. Um, it makes a big, big difference. Um, we've proven ourselves. We want to continue proving ourselves. But yet at the same time, it doesn't have to be just us. It can be throughout. we got several different districts. We have um, the historical. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, there's there's several different districts that, that have had events, but none as grand as ours was. Yeah. We are very, very proud for what we've accomplished. We are very, very proud that we've had people in our surrounding area, businesses that people were, they know they're here, but they don't use on a regular basis because they forget about their existence, support us. The community support was fantastic. I mean, I, I was just really, really shocked. I, I shocked myself because when I went door to door and they made phone calls, I thought when they said, yes, we already sent the check. Oh, <laughs> you know, it was fantastic. It was very, very, and all you have to do is ask. Yeah. Someone says, you know, there's no such thing as a stupid question. Well, how are you going to have an answer to that stupid question if you don't ask? Yeah. So I'm very happy and proud to be a part of this and will continue until I can't. So yeah. now, so from that, I mean, I, we, we had that in September and then there's been ongoing meetings with Southwest Bricktown, uh, mostly to talk about what needs need to be addressed in the community. Right. I mean, when we, when you have those meetings, it's to look at the community, right. look at the neighborhood and say, what are we hearing? What are we seeing? What do we want to, what do we want to do? But, but that, as that morphed into this opportunity to speak up on behalf of the neighborhood on an issue, uh, it, it, it does seem like because you had these other pieces in place, you were able to mobilize whenever there was the need to speak up on an issue that might affect right. the community. How, how do you, does, how do you see that strengthening the community going forward as, as you're able to advocate for yourselves at, at the city government level? Uh, what sort of things do, do you imagine might happen later down the road will, will this this sort of thing be a topic of conversation that continues will there be other projects that you think maybe the community ought to advocate for i think yes i do i think uh hutch and harmony is a perfect example they uh and naacp uh, whenever there's a need we should be able to step up and even though it may not be our war we can still be a part of it and be supporters and, and I think that's what makes a community strong, to have all types of supporters. 
available and to put their input. And if you have one strength more than the other in another part, you know, do your part, do your part. And I think that would strengthen any community, any group, any action. So I want to make sure I understand what I would kind of hear you saying is if, if different communities kind of build themselves up a little bit, then they're able to lend support to other communities when they need that help too, right? right? And they, they in turn can lend support to you when you need help. Right. It, it depends on all your connections. The more connections you have, the more well-known your stance uh, on a subject, you know. Mm-hmm. That's how I got involved. This this really impacted me and more the, where I lived at. So I I took the chance to, to say, okay, I want to educate myself on this. Uh, you mentioned how I worked on the school board several, well, about what, it's probably been over eight years ago, maybe even longer. Um, I took part in that because it was of interest to me when they were trying to rezone. I stood up for Avenue A when they was going to close it down. That was because my, my kids went there, my grandkids went there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever interests you is something, don't think that, oh, I can't say anything or I'm too shy. Well, you know, it only takes one person to speak up and others will follow. I think this is an important point that I, I want to stick on for a little bit. People do have the idea that when when governments make a decision that it, they just have to deal with it, when uh, other things happen uh, and decisions are made, that often we feel like we don't have a choice or a voice in that. Um, but you, you're proving and you have proved over time that's not, that's not necessarily true. No. You, you, can, you can stand up to some of those things and you can make sure that you're being considered in the, in the equation that you're being part of the solution and not just having things done to you. How, how do you, have experienced that over your time, but how do you get other people who feel that way to understand that? The passion, yeah. the passion. Um, I've been called a hellraiser, <laughs> <laughs> but that's not my purpose. My purpose is to show you, like you said, that I do have a voice. We, we do have, and the city, whether they listen or not, you know, if, if you echo it enough, I think they will know, okay, well, maybe they're right. And that's what happened at the city council meeting when they said, well, we use the word transparency. That's all we're asking for. We're not asking for you to turn over because we say to turn over. We just want more information and for you to be transparent about it. And in order to get that, then you have to show that you have the passion, the drive, and that you want to improve things along with them. Mm-hmm. But let's be transparent together. And let's work. Yeah. And let's work together yes. on this, right? Don't just right. come tell me what you're going to do. Right. Talk to me about what you want to do and we can talk about why that may or may not work or how it's going to affect the community. Right. Correct. Yeah. It's like a marriage. It's a work in progress, <laughs> you know, a marriage between the government and their people of the community. Yeah. And the need to keep communicating yes. about what, what needs to happen there. And you made a point in here too, that I want to talk about. We, we talked a little bit about the five different options uh, and option five on this, which is the routing traffic off on Avenue F I think one of the commun- one of the Southwest Bricktown's concerns about that is n- not even necessarily that that is the it's part of the one of the options that the community in Southwest Bricktown s- indicates they want, but part of the issue is that, that according to the report it hasn't really been fully studied. No, and you your your community group would like to see that yes. studied fully before a decision's made. Right. Um, they gave five options. 
there's one, two, and three, which is what the city wants uh, with the roundabout. Uh, number four, half of the community in Southwest Town want number four, and then the half want five. Well, we didn't even know there was an option five until we came to the city again and say, you know, we want you to reconsider. Uh, and by the way, they were turned down three times for a grant to do the roundabout. That was another issue that we asked. We want to know why. Why were you turned down three times? Well, they said that they didn't, weren't contacted of reason why. Well, we want to know why. I, I'm sure you can get that answer. So that was one of our proposed ideas. Please get us an answer why you were turned down three times. Um, another is, is that there was no information. I mean, the ball was kind of dropped halfway for option five. Um, there was a cost that they showed us, and there were some pros and there were some cons, but on the bottom of that con, it said uh, not option, that option hadn't been studied. So we want to know, you know, if they can do that. And that's when they decided, okay, we'll back off. We're going to spend the money to, to observe, research, and give you more information. And out of all the options, option five is the one that keeps the streets open. Yes. And that, that's why at least part of your membership in the in the neighborhood is supportive of that option right yes. and of course option four is the other one that keeps the streets open right there's a no bill just to maintain the bridges and keep them in proper order um which again jason i think that we wouldn't be in this position and we brought this to city's attention several times we wouldn't be in this position if they didn't keep putting the issues of the bridge on the back burner um there was always something new that was more important than the, the reconstruction or the fixing of those bridges. And I think if that was done from day one, I, we wouldn't be in the position that we're in right now. Granted, I know sometimes there's not enough money in the budget. I understand that part. I'm not good with numbers, but I do understand when there's not enough money, there's not enough money. Sure. Things need to be cut. But that was you know, a vitality part of our town. Why wasn't it? fixed from the word get-go and it's gotten in pretty bad shape over yes the it has we had and to close I, it for a while and do right. some work on it they did and you know what and those people rerouted with no no well, there was complaints but they rerouted it can be done yes but if we if we want to keep those bridges open we need to make sure that we're being uh, that they're being maintained maintain and taken care of properly the roundabout's going to need repair mm -hmm. and taken care of properly. I can tell you, since I've lived in this area and I've been married over 30 years, that for the longest time, and it, most of it known to me more recently with COVID, the upkeep and the maintenance of the grass cuttings and, and sidewalks have deteriorated immensely. Why? I know there's grants. I used to work for Hutchison Community Foundation. I know there's grants. Uh, we need more people that want to be involved and part of that to apply for those grants and help the city or help whatever district they're from to make those grants available and useful. And, and keep the community and looking good. And keep the good. community in proper shape. I mean, what's that saying? If you don't use it, you're going to lose it. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't want to lose that part of town or lose any people to our area to become people of Hutchison. I want, I want it to grow. 
Well, one of the things, talking about parks and things, one of the, one of the things I know has been part of the consideration in this is that if we do remove the bridge and the overpass, there there is the potential that there could be a, a lot of green space created, some new yes. parks or anything like that. Is that part of the conversation with the neighborhood group? We've Yes, we've talked about it. That's uh, on our back burner. <laughs> if we lose out and we don't get either option four or option five after everything's come in um, and we do have to do the roundabout, there's a lot of green space that's available. We would like to put that to use. Um, there's been several options presented in our committee that we're looking at. Um, I don't know that it would be done right away because, well, I don't know. They said that there would probably be a, a year to three year, I might be misspeaking here, uh, by the time they finish with the roundabout and before it's even completely done. But, you know, if as soon as we find out, then we'll be on the ball, and I'm hoping I can get enough people interested that they can help me with writing grants to get grants for uh, keeping that green space. They were talk. There was talk about a community garden. Mm-hmm. There was talk about a community center. There was a talk about having basketball goals, pickleball courts. Anything's possible, but you need to have the involvement and the persons that are willing to come in and help write those grants and see what's available. You feel that 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 additional green space would be uh, another thing that could be uh, that create that or or kind of keep pushing that community spirit and, and cohesiveness, having a, a community park in your area. Oh yes, um, I know that there's a new pickleball court here somewhere in town. Mm-hmm. Uh, they've done fantastic. There's basketball courts down on Main Street on 11th and Main. They've done fantastic. Um, there's, you know, you, you got to peak interest and you got to do what people have family things that people can do and, and recreation and parks are one of them. So, yeah, I think that the interest is there. Talk to me a little bit about, um, what you might say or what advice you might offer if, if there's another community group, not just in Hutchinson, but maybe anywhere in the state and they want to start advocating for themselves and they want to start having a voice in some of the decisions that are being made, what sort of advice would you have to them? Or if you were going to them and they had brought you in to ask about how to help them get organized and, 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 and do these sort of things, what, what would you say to them? What sort of advice would you have? That's funny. (laughs) I've recently became a para at a uh, parochial school and I see these kids on a daily basis, and some of them have issues to where they don't know how to either control their emotions or they're shy. And there's three words that I came to, to this particular little boy. I said, you know what? I want you to stop, and I want you to, I'm gonna tell you three words, and I want you to repeat these words when you're feeling bad about yourself or feeling down on yourself. And one is smart, you are smart. You are beautiful, and you are special. Those three words can work for anybody and don't let anybody press you down with their thumbs saying that you can't do anything. Those are words that my father has embedded in my heart and in my soul and in my mind. When you think there's something worth standing up for, be that voice, be that person, and others will follow. I think that's fantastic. And I think that's a a great place to, to leave this message because I really want people 
to remember that, that you are smart, you're beautiful, beautiful. and you're special. special. And that you don't have to let people keep you down. If you believe in something, you can stand up for it. Exactly. Thank you for coming on today. You're welcome. Thank you for having me. I'd like to thank a few of the people who've helped make that podcast and Hutch possible. My son Mitchell Probst wrote and recorded the music for the show. Jenny Brigette put together some great graphics and promotional art. And Chris Acker helps overcome my mistakes to produce a great sounding product every episode. That podcast and Hutch is made possible through a collaboration between the Hutchison Arts and Culture Collective and Salt City Sound. They're working to bring resources and infrastructure to support art, music, and storytelling in our community. If you have an idea for your own podcast, reach out to them at podcasts at saltcitysound.net. If you enjoy that podcast and Hutch, be sure to subscribe and share it with all your friends. You can also help support this production by subscribing to thatguyandhutch.substack.com or by emailing me at thatguyandhutch at gmail.com to learn about sponsorship opportunities. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next week. A Salt City Sound production.